In a few moments, you will be hearing an early Songs for the Struggling Artist episode from several years ago, 2018, I believe. Um, You may already be able to deduce why that is happening. It was not my plan, but uh, this is what my voice sounds like today. And I feel just about as good as you might imagine based on the sound of this voice. So I'm going to give you this episode that was about my trip to the Grammys, since the Grammys were yesterday. Um, And I hope that you enjoy this blast from the past. And uh, I will be back, you know, hopefully, if all goes according to plan, next week with my actual full voice and uh, a smooth song. I can't even say the word smooth. Anyway, here it is. This is uh, the glamour of the Grammys. Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 82, and today's blogcast is going to pretty much bring us up to speed with the blog. So podcast, blogcast, and blog will be pretty much um, in, in, in league with one another, mostly because I have not been posting blogs. Um, and <laughs> uh, actually, there is one other blog. It's a, one of the rejection posts, but I don't podcast those. So if you're dying to read about all the places that have rejected me, um, you're going to have to go to the blog for those because I don't, I, don't, I don't burden my, my podcast listeners with all the rejections. There are a lot of them. Um, so today's blog is, um, the post is pretty long, so I'm not going to blather at you too much here at the beginning. Um, it, it is about my trip to the Grammys. I I went to the Grammys, you guys. It was so crazy. Anyway, I will, I'm just going to read it to you. Um, I will say that my parents both really like this one. So enjoy. Um, It is called The Glamour of the Grammys. In the old times, the fairies roamed the green hills. They were powerful and mischievous. There were many varieties of fairy with different specialties, but the power they principally possessed was something called glamour. It was an enchantment that placed a sparkling illusion over a human's eyes. The glamour made the ugly beautiful. It made the empty full. It turned a pile of old shoes and tin cans into a pile of gold shoes and diamond glasses. It turned a heap of ashes into a scrumptious-looking cake and murky, dirty water into rich red wine. Fairy gold is not real gold. It is something that has been glamoured. Most humans are powerless to resist the glamour, and some are trapped in fairyland forever, having eaten a mouthful of ashes or followed a trail of gold right into a trap. But a few humans see through the glamour, pass the shine over their eyes to whatever lies behind it. Perhaps those humans have a little bit of fairy in them themselves, so they see the trick. I imagine myself as one of those with a little fairy in my blood, stumbling into fairyland with my friends and watching in horror as they fall under the enchantment of the glamour. I imagine I'd try and stop them, 
like Caliban in The Tempest, trying to convince his colleagues that finery they see is but trash. But it's no use. They are lost. Perhaps it's better to be under the spell, to be convinced that the shine around you is real and beautiful and all for you. Grammys, 2018. Music's biggest night, glitter and glamour on the red carpet, emotional, star-studded, powerful moments. I was there. And yes, there were some beautiful dresses and fancy suits. Yes, awards were given and received. Yes, there were famous people there, and it was all very shiny. From my seat, I could see the crew on their hands and knees polishing up the stage. There was so much glitz, so much glamour, and maybe it's because I have a little fairy in my blood, but I saw it as glamour and not as gold. The Grammys are fairy gold, and the people in the room watching it are probably also fairy folk in some way. The illusion was made not for us, the people sitting in the seats, but for the TV viewing audience. All these years, I'd thought it was the reverse, that the real experience was happening in the theater, and we, at home, in front of our TVs, were getting a taste of it. I had thought it was a show, documented by TV. Turns out, it is a TV show that is creating an illusion of a live event. The audience at the Grammys is primarily just part of the set. They are something to pan to or place performers in front of. During the commercial breaks, there was not some continuation of the show, as I had previously imagined. There were no additional awards given, no secret performances, no warm-up comics or up-and-coming bands to keep the audience engaged. Nope. They cut to commercial, turned the cameras off, and the whole thing ground to a halt. It was a total stop. Over and over and over again. When the commercials finished, the disembodied voices instructed the audience to return to their seats as the show was about to begin again. Every time this happened, I felt as if we were being carefully stage-managed. I found myself saying, thank you one minute, just as if I were in a show, getting a call for places from a stage manager. The cameras showed the real show. We found it was almost impossible to stay focused on the actual people. Instead, we watched the screens that broadcast the close-ups. It was live, but we often watched the video instead. After all... The performers are shooting a TV show, not giving their audience an experience. Those on stage look directly into cameras, act for the camera, dance for the camera, sing for the camera. The glamour is for the TV viewer, not the person in the room. And what about the people in the room? The audience rushed back to their seats for the camera, and throughout the building, the audience members were creating their own glamour. Throughout the evening and the afternoon, this experience began at 3 p.m., the audience spent most of their time on their phones, taking selfies, taking photos of what they were watching, and then tweeting, Instagramming, and Facebooking those images. I saw a man take photos of the screen of Lady Gaga singing and then post them, saying he'd been this close to Lady Gaga. The glamour is created not just by the event organizers, but by all the participants as well myself included. Listen, an event like this has social currency. The woman next to me who braid out her commentary throughout the night, he's fat, she's skinny, she looks rough, that suit looks better on him, she's old, who's that? 
will get her Facebook likes just like the rest of us. Her visit to the Grammys will earn her the ears of her peers, who will get all of her thoughts, inane though they may be. She may be a hit at her next cocktail party, but I'm no better. I may have more awareness of the social currency that I'm collecting in this scenario, and rather than tell you who is fat and who is skinny, I'm telling you how this glamour stuff is all bullshit. But I recognize that even exposing the glamour of such an event gets a little bit of glamour on me. I may relish in telling you how incredibly weird it is to watch someone who has just won a Grammy Award be compelled to sit on the floor of the Madison Square Garden Concessions Hall to eat her burger because, like the rest of us, she was not allowed to leave between the two ceremonies. I may get some weird cynical charge out of revealing how watching about eight hours of award show is about as exciting as watching any well-oiled machine do its thing. I mean, yeah, a widget-making machine is pretty cool and smooth, but it's not terribly human. It's just clean and precise, and a lot of professionals did their jobs efficiently and got the stuff made. I may get a little pleasure out of pulling back the curtain on the man pulling the levers to create the great and powerful illusion. As an artist interested in authenticity, exposing the clockworks of such a thing is one of my specialties, as is digging into unexamined underlying mythologies. But I recognize that simply by being in a room that people perceive as glamorous, I get a secondary glamour boost even if the actual event was like watching widgets get made. But once I get some glamour on me, people who know me get a little glamour on them, too. It doesn't even matter that it's all an illusion, does it? Or does it? If you watched the Grammys this year, you may have noticed how few women were nominated and how only one won during the TV portion of the event. The Grammys have a gender problem. The music industry has a gender problem and has had for some time, probably forever. If you don't know this yet, you haven't been paying attention. Sure is curious this pattern of teen girls paired with middle-aged men to make hit records. I bet there's no predatory behavior in those dynamics. No, sir. What's funny, though, to the point of absurdity, is how the Recording Academy president, Neil Portnow, responded to the questions about this after the ceremony. He said, It has to begin with women who have the creativity in their hearts and souls, who want to be musicians, who want to be engineers, producers, and want to be part of the industry on the executive level. They need to step up because I think they would be welcome. I don't have personal experience of those kinds of brick walls that you face, but I think it's upon us, us as an industry, to make the welcome mat very obvious, breeding opportunities for all people who want to be creative and paying it forward and creating that next generation of artists. The range of ways this statement is absurd is so wide. All I could do when I heard it was laugh and look forward to the moment when this guy gets his inevitable comeuppance. How is it possible after all these months of watching the movie industry implode, that he is still so clueless. But at the heart of his cluelessness lies the biggest glamouring of all. That illusion is not the lights or the costumes or the TV trickery, but an underlying assumption. The big glamour is that the Grammys are a meritorious, equitable, and ultimate arbiter of the best in music. 
The glamour this guy has over his eyes has him convinced that the Grammys prove that the best music wins Grammys because look, all the people who won them are great. They have awards. His glamour tells him that the best people in music work within the industry and that those people voted and out of all the music recorded in the world, they chose the very best. And if no women were nominated, that's because no women were the best this year. He knows that's true because they weren't nominated. The glamour over his eyes prevents him from seeing the machine that churns out market-tested beats under algorithmically satisfactory melodies. His job depends on him never seeing the inequities, the audience-optimized packaging, or the cross-marketing motivations that take precedence over art. His job depends on his never losing the glamour that keeps him from seeing sexism, racism, ableism, and ageism at work. And his glamour is the glamour that CBS broadcasts around the world. The big glamour is convincing the world that this contest is actually significant, that it represents the interest of music rather than the interests of a handful of multinational conglomerates that continue to control the distribution of music. Even though technology has made the means of production more available to more people, thus allowing more people than ever before to record music, the Grammys continue to promote the music that comes through their usual and ever-narrowing channels. The big glamour is convincing all of us that winning a Grammy is the pinnacle of musical achievement. It's not. It's the pinnacle of recognition from a very narrow band of people. It's a nod of acceptance from a privileged few, but it is not the real achievement. Making good music is the real achievement. The Grammy is a nice piece of metal on a stand and a useful marketing tool. It is a useful bit of glamour if you're trying to sell your album. In this attention-saturated world, getting a glamour boost like this is very significant, and I want for every musician I know to win one so that they can get the glamour that will translate to sales and streams and so on. A Grammy gives you a thick layer of, of glamour that maybe you can capitalize on. Maybe. What I saw at Madison Square Garden had nothing to do with music as I know it. It had nothing to do with the music I make or the music that people I love make. The only moments that seemed connected to my actual experience of music happened in the ceremony earlier in the day. While that premiere ceremony also seemed to be built for the audience that was watching elsewhere, it was live streamed and filmed like a TV show, there were a handful of performances that actually brought music into the room. India Ari, Taj Mahal and Kebmo, Jasmea Horn, those moments felt like a breath of fresh air in a weirdly corporate environment. All day, I felt as if I were at a sales event, and what I was being sold was the thing I'd already bought. I'd bought that the Grammys were a meaningful, prestigious, glamorous event, and it is one piece of glamour after another. The fairy in me knows when I'm being glamoured, and I was glamoured all day long. Sometimes I saw some actual gold shining through the fairy shine, but I left my journey to the Grammy fairy hills exhausted and baffled. How is it possible that all these mega media award shows have us all fooled? And for so long. The Grammys celebrated their 60th anniversary this year. Is that 60 years of worldwide glamouring? It's possible. And this Grammy glamouring feels 
awfully familiar to the packaging of politicians and the news? And is it possible that being habitually glamoured led to our fairy gold president? What can I do to become more awake to the work of mischievous fairies? And how do I help my friends see through the glamour in their eyes? And that, my friends, was my trip to the Grammys. Um, While the event itself was not terribly scintillating, um, it was actually quite thought-provoking, so I'm actually really glad we went, even though it was incredibly draining and it definitely gave me a migraine and it was um, (laughs) a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad to have seen it. I feel like I understood a lot of things that I hadn't really put together before. So, you know, new experiences are not always the most pleasant, but they are illuminating. (laughs) Um, So for the podcast recommendation for you today, I am going to suggest, um, I, you know, as I realized that I don't actually listen to any music based podcasts, music podcasts about music. Maybe there are some, I I don't know. Um, But uh, in absence of a music podcast, I am going to suggest um, a podcast called Trump Inc., which just started. Um, it's with a really incredible investigative team. And the reason I'm suggesting it to you um, now is because they are actually looking for um, help on their investigations. Because what they're doing is investigating um, the various and sundry Trump businesses and how they are functioning. So they're asking for people to... Um, report, you know, just sightings of various people in various places and how things are going and what's happening in all of those many kind of arms of the the family out in the world. Um, so uh, Trump Inc. And it's also really interesting. Like, it's not just that they want help. It's that they're investigating something really fascinating, just like how businesses like his have functioned in the past and how they're functioning now. And all of that's really interesting. So check out Trump Inc. Um uh, and it's sponsored by ProPublica, which is amazing. They're great. They're anyway. So yeah, check them out. Um, song. So the <laughs> the one thing, the thing that I'm enjoying about the this new way this podcast has been developing is that it challenges me to learn and explore songs that I would never have thought of or um, wanted to really dive into before. So, (laughs) I mean, there have been many examples of that already, but this is another. Um, I was like, well, I'm doing a piece about glamour. I, of course, I have to work on The Glamorous Life by Sheila E., Um, which actually was written by Prince. But uh, anyway, so so, uh, here's The Glamorous Life. And you will hear in this recording uh, my new electric guitar, which I may have referenced before, but um, I think many of the songs in this kind of period will probably be on the electric because I I have been instructed by the guy who um, did some repairs on it that I need to play it as much as possible to to get it kind of warmed up. Um, So... This is on the electric, and it really sounds like the electric. It's not like I'm like I put it, I put it, I'm playing the electric, and I put it through some kind of like acoustic filter. Like this is this is an electric song. So, <clears throat> luckily nobody's um, calling me a Judas 
for, for going electric. I guess those days are over. Nobody, nobody cares about um, going electric anymore. But I have gone electric. So here is The Glamorous Life. <laughs> She wears a long fur coat of mink, even in the summertime. Everybody knows from her cool little wink, the girl's got a lot on her mind. She's got big thoughts and big dreams and a big brown Mercedes sedan. But what we think this girl, she really wants is to be in love with a man. She wants to leave the glamorous life she don't need. A man's touch she wants to leave. The glamorous life without love. It ain't much. She saw him standing in the section marked. If you have to ask, you can't afford it lingerie. She threw him bread and said, make me scream. In the dark, what could he say? Boys with small talk and small minds really don't impress me in bed. She said, I need a man's man's baby. Diamonds and furs, love would only conquer my heart. She wants to live a glamorous life she don't need. A man's touch, she wants to leave A glamorous life without love It ain't much They made haste in the brown sedan And drove to 55 Secret Street They made Without love, it ain't much. 